Oh, can you not see me? Oh. No. You got to unclick the camera. That's right. Oh, we're, we're doing great. This is how every Zoom meeting. So there you are. Hi. Oh, yeah. Hi, Anne. <laughs> everybody and welcome to the zoom green room please pull up a chair there's a couch over there for two it's all made out of velvet have a brandy and guess what you can even smoke because it's all virtual today my guest is a writer above all but also an arts volunteer he can print out a ticket and he can deal with very angry patrons yelling unreasonable things glass it's michael curcio (laughs) wow Anne! thank you that was beautiful (laughs) i am a monument and a pillar to society yeah totally we all are and here i am we're heroes (laughs) (laughs) we have survived much rage and we live to tell the tale for now oh yeah we met each other working at the we sure did. Where one of us is still uh, caught in that honey hive. <laughs> Bless her heart. Maybe me. Yeah. <laughs> now, what had you been doing leading up to getting a position in the tick? We'll call it the ticketing department. Right. So I don't well, get sued. Yeah, exactly. We don't want them yeah. kicking on the door. No. Um, no. What have I been doing up? Well, funnily enough, that period before I started at the ballet, that I think it was about two year period between when I graduated from university and I started, I had actually completely and totally overhauled my life plan. Prior to that, you know, I had gone to school originally to study dinosaurs and then calculus handed me my ass so I could not do that so I had switched over to anthropology done I had no great... idea about that I was one of those like kids very common who like was obsessed with dinosaurs sure outgrew that experience yeah uh, when I was really little I think what really got me into it was the fact that you know there was this entire world that had once existed full of like almost dragon-like creatures and I really think of that as the root of my artistic experience in life like I was really fascinated by the possibility of other realities and fantastical things my teachers and my parents sort of seized on it as oh Michael likes dinosaurs he likes science he will be a scientist they prayed (laughs) and let me tell you something Anne. I don't much care for science (laughs) I mean, I think it's great, but I just don't don't do well at any of the sciences. But I didn't go to school for fucking math. Exactly right. Yeah, got into a paleontology program. I did my undergrad out west at the University of Alberta, because that's where they keep the dinosaurs. I did a first semester of like chemistry and biology and calculus, and it just slaughtered me. I was not. I think I failed most of the first term of my undergrad. It was really an eye-opener. And that should have been the time that I had reset and thought, okay, well, let's explore what you actually enjoy, what you are talented at. But instead I thought, okay, well, I'm just gonna pick a program that's as close to paleontology as possible. 
and go from there. So I shifted into anthropology. I kept my focus very like bioanthropology, so hominid evolution and that kind of stuff. Um, didn't have to take any calculus, so that was great for my marks. Right. Um, finished my program, um, graduated. I had agreed with my parents that I would take a year off to, I guess, build some experience. I did a dig in Spain just to like get some archaeological crap in. Um, <laughs> That's the scientific word for it. Exactly. Crap. They call it. Yeah, uh, it's finding shit in the ground yeah bones and bits of trash from people long dead and (laughs) as i was digging in that dirt i realized i don't want to do this (laughs) i really really hate this so that was when i had the moment of really reassessing what it was i wanted to do um and i've always been a big reader very interested in storytelling and so i started to actually explore writing as a thing instead of a hobby and my aunt is an English teacher or was an English teacher at the time and she really encouraged me and actually she would take me to the library and like teach me the fundamentals of writing once a week oh wow right yeah um I was very lucky to have that resource and she was pretty committed to that growth which was fantastic And then she led me to the Humber School of Writers um, for Humber College. I did their creative writing certificate, um, which was a seven month program with a mentor author. And that was really fantastic. But at the, toward the end of that program, I started to have that, I guess, panic about like what, how am I going to live off of writing? What am I gonna do creatively? I had in the meantime also been volunteering with the ballet. At the shop. Exactly, right? Right. So my mom connected me to a coworker of hers who happened to work for the ballet's volunteer committee. And I had done a little bit of the volunteering already. And I was like, okay, this is fun. I hadn't been like very invested in dance prior to that, but I thought, okay, it's pretty and it's musical and it's artistic. And then while I was having this sort of like, oh Jesus, what will my future be now moment, I was like, uh, 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 ballet, I'll go work at the box, uh, the ticketing. Yeah, it's, yes. The place where- Who tickets- wants tickets? <laughs> <laughs> you want a ticket. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I when I started October, 2012, that would have been my first right. days at the ballet. Where I met Anne. Right. And I'm trying to think what I was... I might have been the box office supervisor by then, but I can't remember. It's Not all yet. a blur. <laughs> no, I was just a rep. Yeah. I was a regular went, rep. So we were on the front lines. Just together. already hardened and dead inside. I still remember. It only took time. about a couple months for that to happen. <laughs> they brought all the new people into that like closet of a break room. And they yes. sat them down. And they were like, Anne, tell Why them all did about they it. pick me to do that? Why would they do that? They were like, sit down here. Why not <laughs> oh pick them all to fling themselves into the lake on the first <laughs> And we didn't, Anne. You made that happen. <laughs> so yeah, that was... That I was- mean, you kids will survive, but... Uh... Some of you won't make it. Those yeah. of you who wish you hadn't. You were, you were a rep for the first 
time for the first year I was there. And then I guess Ansley was the box office supervisor. Sure was. She left, and then I got her job. Yeah, (laughs) you sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was there for five years, I think. Five seasons. Oh my god, in heaven. Yeah, well, this is. I think this is my eleventh year. Oh boy. Oh boy. I guess, I guess before we get to that, we'll talk about the present. <laughs> so, well, and also, I also wanted to ask you, because I skipped this in your intro, but you've also done film. Yeah. So my younger sister is a producer. She's an uh, merging producer, but she's well on her way. So I've been able to rack up a few paid credits, helping her out with writing on various projects that she's right. had. It's never really gotten to the point where I've been like the main writer on anything, but I've helped her write for one of the web series she did a few years ago. And actually just recently I did a bit of um, copy writing for their wardrobe department on a film that they were doing. So I've had a few little bits and pieces with film. And when I first left the ballet, I was definitely concentrating a lot more on film because my sister is in film. How many times can I say film in one sentence? Uh, (laughs) A lot. Let's get it out there. Film. It's everywhere. Uh, (laughs) It might be the only thing left when this is over, Michael. Just keep that in mind. You're telling (laughs) me. Yeah. Camera (laughs) and a burnt pile of rubble. Let's go nuts. Yeah. (laughs) My my writing training is in in prose and fiction. Um, And then through, I guess, my sister's guidance, I started to do more film writing or an attempt at film writing that has again gotten close to being fruitful while never quite going over the edge of that so I recently returned to doing prose writing keeping up my practice and also I feel not that writing a novel or a short story is necessarily easy but it takes fewer people to get those kinds of projects moving than a film which requires crew and right and it's very difficult to do right now Exactly right. So I've been back on my trying to write the novel situation, and that's been a great, great time. <laughs> it's a challenge. So that's that brings us to well. I mean, I feel like that kind of experience, though, really, really could stand you in good stead with anything, mm-hmm. including fic- just fiction writing, like a book. It it's def- still, you know. Yeah. It definitely taught me how to streamline my storytelling. Obviously, you know, when you're writing a script, you're not completely bare bones with the language you're using, but you are you're writing dialogue principally, and then the descriptions have to be concise. And if you can't film it, you're not describing it. Right. Or, you know, that can be stretched a little bit, but it's not nearly as broad as you can get in prose. And I'm pretty naturally disposed to just going on and on and on and on and on and on, as you know. Yeah. So, and you can rein that in, it's always a good thing. And yeah. that has definitely been something I've been able to achieve after having spent some time doing the screenwriting route. Right, and was it like a tighter sort of timeline? Yeah. Like- <clears throat> it's, with a novel, you can make that thing go for a really long time. Yeah. And you know, even with my short stories, I tend to to write a lot of short stories through competitions. So there is a, a deadline on that. Yeah. But you know, I've never quite seen anything so strict in terms of like we gotta get this going now than film. 
And that was very much both in the writing process itself and when the projects arrived to me, it was always very much like, oh, we suddenly need this. Can you write it by tomorrow? And that deadline does. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> the answer is always yes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm really, <clears throat> I think I've grown a lot in my practice in the last couple years. And I definitely can get words on a page more concisely than I was able to do five years ago. So stepping into the present, mm -hmm. does these kind of restrictions help or hinder <sighs> when you're working on your own project, never mind a movie or a... Yeah, I'm the kind of personality type that gets really, really untethered to reality if yeah. you don't rein it in. So for me personally, I do really well with a strict external structure. Um, I'm a daydreamer. I'm also very like, I don't know, prone to going off on tangents in my writing. And that can be fruitful. Like, you know, you obviously have to spend time just floating around in your own world and you can find real gems in your creativity when you are able to just write whatever for however long you want. But eventually you do need, or at least eventually I require some kind of um, boundary or margin to bump up against so that I'm funneled back into my creative process. So like, you know, it's been a bit of a challenge right now during COVID and everything because there aren't as many competitions out. There isn't as sure a timeline on, you know, when things are gonna happen next or when you are, you know, when, you, when you'll be able to bring your, your manuscript or whatever to someone who can do something with it because no one's taking anything in person and things are getting canceled last minute and all that kind of stuff. So the, the railings have come off a little bit on the sides. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, generally speaking, I'm the kind of person who needs a little bit of a deadline structure in place. To sure. Make yeah. I think most people do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 I mean, do you, because I, I feel like you've mentioned to me in the past that you like to go out to write. Yes. And now that's out. Of well, so the... that... That... <laughs> You're like, I am sitting alone in a field. I outside. weeping in a boat in the middle of the lake. That's all I do. And the lake is nice. Um, yeah. Well, so something that I had just discovered before COVID hit was how much better I do going to a coffee shop to write. Um, and that's such, that's writer 101. It had been- It's a little cliched. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, right? Exactly. And, and so what, <laughs> was, what was happening before that was I was writing at home and I had a desk set up and, you know, it was quiet. There was no one in the house. And I was creating in that, in those spaces, but it wasn't really flowing very well. Yeah. Um, and again, it's something people had always said, well, try writing at the library, try writing at a coffee shop, try going- somewhere to write. And I was like, oh, but I have 
I have my home and there's no one home during the day. I should really be taking advantage of this space. And then it got to the point where I was just so sluggish in creating that I was like, okay, I've got to do something. So right before quarantine happened, it was maybe three-ish months before we were told to never leave the house again. Yeah. I had started going to a coffee shop like 10 minutes down the street and just the act of leaving the house, going for that 10 minute walk, arriving at that public space where that's why I'm here. My, I, I literally quadrupled the word count I was able to create. Wow. It was really, <laughs> it was surprising and then immediately embarrassing because I was like, this is something I should have been doing the whole time. And it's not a new unique thing that I'm coming up with is writer 101. So I was beating myself up a little bit about that before quarantine hit, but I was like, who cares if you didn't realize this about the writing process now? The point is you've found out about it and going forward, you can really start to create. Yeah. And so I had about three good months of that and then we were locked right back up in the house. So that's been an, a specific nuance in my process that I've been kind of going through being like, oh, now I know what really works for me. And now I'm back in my yeah. previous circumstances. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. We're going to be back there one of these days, but God knows when. Exactly. I've started to let go of the hope of any kind of like true normalcy returning and just, you know, rolling with it as best as you can. Well, I mean, I think we're here in Toronto, Ontario, so we're in a hot spot. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Ontario's got to start stepping up with these shots. Right. It's kind of a joke. I mean, we're, I don't know when this, this podcast is going to be released. It's going to be at least a few weeks, but... Uh -huh. I mean, we've just come through this thing where they set up the convention center. They said, okay, here come the shots. We're roll. Oh, we're out. Yeah. We're out everybody. And it was like two days or something. It was, it was crazy. Until the, they can actually start pumping these shots out. That's when we're going to see a glimmer that even after that, it's going to be a while before they take. It's yeah. like the shot is the step. And then we've got to wait longer and then maybe we can start having some things where you can go into places or you can, you know, but I think we'll always be masking. I think there's going to be distance for a very long time to come. Oh, like yeah. this is not going to be over yeah, just exactly. like that. We're definitely in a new world in terms of how we, we structure things in society. And I think we're, we're still going to see a lot more changes coming down from all of the other major world events that are happening yeah. either directly because of the pandemic or just more broadly speaking. So, Cause I, you know, I work the anime convention every year. That's right. In the convention center where they have actually set up that vaccination site. It's the same. Yes, way. yes. Um, and I remember talking with our mutual friend who runs the booth there and, <laughs> and we had been talking about it in, in the thread we had with everyone who works the anime convention every year and it was full blown you know oh well you know we have we are not going to be able to do the March convention but May we're still good to go everybody get ready yeah. and we had had the complete talk of like you know when the badges were going to be distributed and you know when we were going to be 
meeting and the hotel was booked because we always stay near the convention center every weekend. And I still remember being like, well, the convention's at the end of May. It's the middle of March. It'll be yeah. close, but it won't be, you know, yeah. canceled. And then boy, did they sledgehammer the crap out of that. <laughs> They were like, and all of the other conventions throughout the year. That's right. That, and it looks like it's going to be happening for another round soon. I'd say likely. There's just too many people. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's funny. The other night, I'm, I'm interviewing uh, Ansley, our mutual friend, Mm -hmm. who works in events. Mm -hmm. And it was just the other night. I thought, God, I would give anything to go to Comic Con right now. Right. And this was late at night. I thought, I'm tired. I would go right now. I would go right now down there. Yeah. To a convention. And I just thought a convention's one of the last things we're probably going to be going back to. Well, that was one of the things that really, really drove home just how impactful the pandemic was on literally every aspect of life. I mean, obviously we were seeing all the news and everything that was happening. But as you said, that like surreal sort of veil over it all felt very, it, it felt hard to like grasp at at first. And then, you know, when the when the convention started being canceled, I was just like, but this this is something I've done. It's one of the only things that I have done, I do in my life that I have a, a long history of doing it every year. I've done that convention every year for eight years i it's sort of you're perfect for that you're perfect for that shit you know smiling at the teens as they tell me which pokemon (laughs) you call them things like midge you're like this is ethel why do you and they're like um it's not it's actually (laughs) um pookie and you're like whatever just buy it it's fine that's why our friend loves me so much because they're like okay dad and then they do buy it exactly yeah. And they go right off with it. I smile. <laughs> and then count, count that giant, money. <laughs> giant pile of money. And that's all great. And I didn't get that last year. Oh, it. That I'm, does sound fun. I would love to do that. It's a great time. And I mean, yeah, like I obviously understand why that is essentially a COVID breeding ground. So that is not going to happen anytime soon. Um, and I'm not the kind of person who usually really loves giant crowds and I don't go to a lot of like big festivals and things like that, but you're right. Like as time wears on, like, I just want to go to a concert. I don't even go to concerts that frequently, but I just want to go to one because I can't. What about the ballet? Well, there might be some time still. (laughs) (laughs) You can meet me at intermission. Tell me everything that's going wrong. Exactly. And everything is going right. (laughs) <laughs> the dancers are dancing too much <laughs> too many notes so, <laughs> oh, so looking into the future and i'm talking mm-hmm. about your opinion mm-hmm. because when i'm talking to people what i think is that a lot of people in the arts particularly may not be crossing the finish line to this in the same position that they were in mm-hmm. when they started either it not just in their point of view i mean in their actual profession right where do you see yourself at the end of this i don't honestly know and that has been a theme throughout all of this you know when you're sitting down and you're you're writing 
a novel or when you're sitting down writing a short story or a script, even if you have a destination for it already laid out, as I was saying earlier, like that can be canceled like that now. And so something that I have had sitting in the back of my mind the entire time is like, will there, will there be books in the future? (laughs) Now that's a little apocalyptic, but it feels even more uncertain than it used to. When you make a career in the arts, there's always the question mark of whether or not you'll be one of the people who can make it or if you'll be one of the people who flounders. And I have an extraordinarily privileged situation where I'm able to dedicate a chunk of my time to my writing. And it is something I still love to do, but it was already such a, a feeling of like, God, I hope that this pays off, that this is something that I can do seriously as a living. And now that, and I used to be able to keep those thoughts in their own special box within Mm -hmm. me, where like I was never fully ignoring them, but I was never allowing them more space than was healthy. You have to address those realities, but then you also have to not let them weigh down. Now, over the last year, it's really become so much louder and I don't know what it looks like for me. And all I know is this is what I want to do with my life and this is what makes me happy. And I just have to, I'm just pushing forward with this bigger and bigger thing yelling at the back of my head. So that's sort of grim, I suppose, but then you also sort of just extrapolate it to, well, no one knows what the world is gonna look like in the next five years. And you just sort of have to keep going with that sort of blind human hope, I suppose. I think that that human beings, whether they're in their homes or they're trapped at home, are always going to need stories. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what kind of package the story's going to be in mm-hmm. if if paper books will eventually dry off because of lack of resource mm-hmm. or what have you. But I mean, then it's going to be a digital model or is it going to be, you know, but I can't imagine not having, frankly, that distraction. Right. Especially if things are grim. Exactly. Storytelling is such a fundamental part of the human experience, both consuming stories and telling your own. And I do remind myself of that, like just because the our white settler capitalist society is teetering on the edge and, and might collapse soon, that's probably a good thing. That's definitely a good thing in some respects. And storytelling has always existed before that. And will exist in some fashion after. So I'm secure enough in my, my self-conception as, an, as a storyteller to, to hope that I will have a role in the future. I just don't know what it looks like. Is it possible to do that and something else? It is probably going to have to be that way regardless. Um, in the last couple of months, I've, I've slowly tiptoed into uh, a money-making 
venture with that friend who runs the um, anime convention. So she's, right. she's moving her business online and I'm helping her with that. And it started as a trickle of money to yeah. come in. Um, and it's pretty ideal. But we know that she's a money machine. We do. And when she came to me- This with woman it, knows how to make money. Let's sure. just put it that way. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it, to be honest. She's an incredible business. She's a smart person. woman. Exactly. And she's yeah. and when she approached me with it, I was like, you want me to help you with this? You could you could do this yourself and be rolling in diamonds. But she she <laughs> was very courteous enough to invite me along. On, she's like, Oh, I plan to be. Oh, Don't I am worry. already. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Don't worry. You're pretty little head about that. Yeah. So so that that's only been in the last month and a half that this has come in to being. Um it doesn't require a ton of work on my part. Um, I'm essentially just photographing the, the products for them to go on the website. Um, <clears throat> so that, fingers crossed, might be the thing that helps carry me through. Through and, this. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it really is an ideal situation and I would really love it to, to take off to the point where I can have that and still do my writing because God knows it takes a long time, especially when it comes to like book writing to get that going. Yes. I definitely have seen that demonstrated with some other people, <laughs> uh, someone else we know who's a writer who had a whole possible deal with a book and I couldn't believe the pace mm -hmm. was like a snail's crawl. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, doing, going on trips and meeting agents and doing all of this and nothing happening. Mm -hmm. I would not, I mean, I really admire it because I couldn't, I don't think I could deal with it. I don't think I could deal. That friend of ours that, who was writing that book, we, we sat down and we, we talked, that, well, when you were allowed to sit down and talk with people. Yeah. Um, and they told me that they were going to therapy now to essentially help them process that yeah. experience. And the way they phrased it was that, um, you know, that, that book, they had, they had spent so much time creating it and agonizing over it. And it got so close to the publication mark. And then it just, it didn't get, well, I don't know if it did eventually, but as of the time that we had spoken- So far, it wasn't so over the line. Yeah. And so, they were in mourning in a way Ugh. for almost a child. And they had created this thing. Yes, it, yes. It, was, it wasn't going to live. And that was that was their experience of it. And that really <laughs> it was a dark lining, but it, it framed certain things about the creative process for me that I hadn't really had language for. And just realizing like, when you are creating something, you really are pulling a piece of you out from inside and putting it into the world. And that act in and of itself can be very taxing. But then if that thing gets outside of you and you present it to people and it fails, yeah. another smack in the face. And I talk about this with other artist friends all the time. And then especially with friends who aren't in the arts at all, they're always like, what? How, if you describe it like that, how could you possibly yeah. do it? And the answer to that is just like, this is it for me. Like it, it's yeah. not something I consciously chose to do. It was something that sort of 
has always been inside of me and it, it drives me in all aspects of my life. So even when I think it's really heartbreaking or hopeless, I always bounce off a cushion of, well, this is, this is you. This is the essence of yeah. you. This comes from the very center of who you are. And if you don't do this, then you don't have anything. You're not, you're, you're not you. I think you just described the, the core of every artist. And the more I talk with other artists, the more I realize I'm not isolated in that experience. And I would never be so like narcissistic to think that that was a unique experience to me, but it does feel very good when you talk to other people, especially with an emotion that is so profound and weighty and also nebulous and hard to define when you do talk to other people and they are like, oh, yeah, that's, that's exactly how I feel. Um, that community is really incredible. And that, that is refreshing. It always feels like a little boost after you've talked about how gut-wrenchingly devastating <laughs> the creative process is. And you're like, God, sometimes I drag my bones out of bed. And they're like, me too. And you're like, yay. It's, it's, it's wild because, and even when it's, it's going well, mm. it is exhausting because it is pulling the very life essence mm -hmm. out of you. I even feel that way like directing something and that isn't what you're describing that isn't something like what our friend went through like it's nowhere near that but there's some there's something on that level mm -hmm. of the same creative process right is using your your soul is the gas that's running the the engine exactly so you're so drained by the time that it's it's taken shape and it's a thing Mm -hmm. um, but at least when you're producing something like a show, even if people come and they think, well, that kind of sucked, they still came mm -hmm. and it, it happened and it was a thing. And when it's something like a piece of writing that then isn't accepted, like, and let's get, be, I mean, I'm not talking about a note of rejection. This mm -hmm. was so close. Right. That was the heartbreak. I mean, writers get notes of rejection constantly. And that's, you know, that it's awful still the feeling I'm sure, but that's more common. Right. This was, this was rough. Exactly. Yeah. To, to yeah. be so dedicated to a project and then to have it almost get there just, ugh. but this friend of ours is still going and that's that, that reserve of strength is something I hope we all have and somewhere deep down. Cause we're going to need it. We got to be tough. Michael, I always hope that one day, one day I'll see you back <laughs> at the ballet. Oh, Anne, as I've always said to you, <laughs> it will be our coffin. <laughs> Michael, well, thank you so much for oh, doing this podcast with me today. It's been a treat, Anne. Thank you for having me. I hope you'll come back and we'll talk about something else another time. I promise I will. You know how a, we can go off. A Netflix delight. Oh, we can go off, sis. Yeah, we're a good five hours in before we take a breath. So. <laughs> Would you like to plug anything online for people to look at or follow? I was thinking about this earlier before we started. I was like, do I have an online presence? And the answer is no, <laughs> not really. I have a, I have a Wattpad page, um, wattpad.com slash M underscore Curcio, C-U-R-S-I-O. I keep a few of my short stories up there. The ones that have failed to get any traction elsewhere. So that's a place if anyone's curious about reading. They're really brief. They're only a couple thousand words. You know, stay tuned. Hit me with that Wadpad address one more time. 
wattpad.com slash M underscore Curcio, C-U-R-S-I-O. All right, we'll get in there. You know everybody has the time. Mm-hmm. And read Michael's delightful missives. Please, for the love of God. I'm going to be going there right now. <laughs> All right, thanks, Michael. Thanks, Anne. Until next time, if you see this, this podcast on Apple, please give me a rating and leave a review unless you didn't like the show and then do what Michael and I do and press those dark feelings deep, deep down so that they never come back up again. Until next week, thanks a lot. I'll see you next time. I'm still working out the back problems I developed from (laughs) colliding. Well, what you can't tell on the podcast is we're both giants. We're tall people. I'm giant and you're even more giant than me. And Mm -hmm. getting under that horse door was ridiculous like why is this like this it was a half door you had to open the bottom half and then walk under it to get to the top half to open it and there were no windows and it wasn't very well climate controlled so it was like stepping into the vacuum of space (laughs) oh you wouldn't club your head